surgery for my broken wrist so um, yeah I'm going to record this ahead of time I have a, a podcast coming out at midnight tonight too um, with my wife Amy and um, I had one come out yesterday so um, so yeah this one though is going to be a regular show more or less I have some call-ins from Jason Connerly and Joe Salvador and um, I'll respond to those and then I'm going to talk about my week of gaming with my broken arm, broken wrist. So, um, yeah, I actually played some games. Uh, it's weird. I reconfigured, like, where my laptop is, and I'm using my left hand with for the mouse, which is a challenge. I try not to use my right hand, uh, but sometimes I default to it. And, of course, that's not the best idea as pain shoots up the wrist and arm. But, uh, hey, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, I was able to run, well, backtracking, but also played this week. I did start running a Fallout game for some of my home group. This kind of seems to be like a filler game when just because of the holidays, people haven't been able to show up. So we said, hey, let's play something else that maybe a couple people can play. And Fallout works really well. The Modifius 2D20 system really works well for me, to me. Um, with a short-handed player group, um, you can really adjust and modify. Uh, even published adventures have uh, throw adversaries or trooper-type adversaries, X plus one, so X being the number of players. So I think uh, Fallout worked really well. And we played Fallout also on Black Friday, um, since, again, some people were out uh, due to the holidays. But uh, we wanted to get a game going, and people were available, including myself. So um, we played Fallout by Modifius 2D20, the Fallout RPG, and we're playing through the starter set. And next, we I ran uh, Twilight 2000 on Tuesday. Oh, before that, man, my days seem messed up. So we did finish our hostile adventure on Monday, and on Tuesday, I ran Twilight 2000, and we've started Pirates of the Vis- the classic Twilight 2000. Um, first edition adventure, Pirates of the Vistula. But other things are going on too, so I'll get to that. And then, like I said, Fallout was on Friday, and then Saturday I ran um, Cthulhu Confidential. Uh, it's like a 1v1 game with my wife, Amy Lee. And on Sunday, I won't talk about it because of NDA, but we're in the playtest for uh, Cohors Cthulhu. And that was actually really fun. Um, so uh, it, it is definitely, without ruining the NDA and talking about what is published, we played through a scenario that they gave us, and I thought it was very it was challenging but really fun. And um, it is well known that sort of Cohorts Cthulhu is like uh, the same verse as Octoon Cthulhu, uh, which is a World War II... Um, Modifius 2D20 World War II kind of pulp action game. And I think uh, we, we really enjoyed it. So that was um, three people played. My wife, Amy, 
uh, Arlen Walker of the Live from Pelham's Wasteland the products that are out there. Um, I think he's mainly doing just YouTube now. And then Arfed, uh, Darren Green uh, also played. So it was pretty fun. And uh, that's all I'm probably going to say about it um, because of the NDA. But uh, definitely be look on the lookout for it. It's feel it's still in the early stages. We did some play test, but um, but probably within the next year, year and a half, we'll be seeing it. All right, so let's get to the call-ins. Our first set of calls are from Jason Connerly. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Hey, Carl, Jason here. Just listening to your latest episode, GM selling player buy-in. The, I, I'm not going to comment on our on what I said and you responded to because I, I think we've had a conversation. And like you say, it's preaching the choir. Um, I, I know I said railroad a lot in that call, but you know, railroad is not necessarily a bad thing, and that might not be the best term for it. But like you say, I mean, if people agree to play a game with a haunted house in it, then you know they can't really complain when they have to go to the haunted house. You know, you know what I mean? It just is what it is. Um, now, as far as the gaming recaps, I thought you did a great job. I have a lot of fun in Reaver, really enjoying that. We're gonna start interspersing it with a Palladium Fantasy game, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, but, okay, let me call you with another message. I'm really sad that I've been missing the Abomination Vaults and the OSE game on Saturday mornings. just hasn't fit my schedule lately. My work schedule's pretty hectic, but hopefully we'll get back to some of that. But I'm glad you guys are getting to play. Also hope to get in one of your Hyperborea games one of these days. Now I've even got all the books. So, and, you know, we've got a character. I've got a Huntsman character I made that you blessed off one. So just a matter of getting in the game and playing. So definitely looking forward to that. It's definitely a, a question of too many or, you know, plenty of games to play, just not enough time. Anyway, keep up the great work. I will talk to you soon. Hey, Jason, thank you for the call. Right. Yeah, I know railroad, I guess, is a term that's thrown out there and sort of railroad being the catch word for pre-planned adventures, lead by the nose. They lead you on a certain path. You know, like we've talked about, some players like that. A lot of other players and pushback comes from the idea of like a hex crawl, emergent play, who knows where we're going. Roll on the random encounter table and see how what happens. And then roll on the random treasure to see what you get. So, uh, and that's fun. I think it can be, you can put both in the same game and intersperse one over the other. Um, and I think that's a pretty cool way to do it. And yeah, I did get my Hyperborea books, my leatherettes. They're really nice. I will probably be wearing my Hyperborea shirt uh, to the uh, hospital today. And um, Amy says it should be fine. They're not going to steal it or they're not going to get it all bloody. Um, but I just kind of want to wear it. I love the, <laughs> I love the sort of metal like, you know, scratchings on it that says Hyperborea. Um, if I put it alongside my uh, Bork Nagar shirt, um, yeah, you can't read either of them, which is kind of funny to me. So, but I guess I have like little Hyperborea underneath, like a translation, which is funny. 
anyway, and they have like a, I guess like a stylized image of um, it's probably uh, Sagotha, Sagotha, the one of those. I can't even say it. One of those um, elder god things, or great old one things. Um, yeah, so it'd be great to get Hyperborea going again. I feel like it's a become a filler game, and then we pushed it back for other things. And um, I've really enjoyed how, what we did so far. And I think we're at a pause where the players were kind of recovering from the last uh, battle in the gladiatorial arena. Um, and they might, if they recover well enough, they might go exploring. They found some weird stuff in the under halls of the arena that seems that there's some corruption that goes deep in the city of Port Zangarius. I think I've also gotten like a book, um, ordered a product that can serve as a substitute for Port Zangarius until uh, Jeff Tulanian uh, comes up with a Port Zangarius book or an adventure set there. I know his next big thing is to work on Chromarium so I hope that doesn't ruin everyone's own campaign Chromarium, but I know he's doing that. And I know like he's got this idea for like a big giant mega dungeon or adventure set in the, in the peak of the world. Um, so uh, I don't know if Port Zangorius is on his radar. Um, I don't know if I am ever inspired. Um, maybe I can talk to Joe Salvador about it to try to put together something for Port Zangaria since he has done stuff for Hyperborea. I haven't really asked him about that, if he's ever thinking of throwing his hat back into the ring with that. Um, I think he has Thane of the Serpent Goddess as his product for Hyperborea. So anyway, um, that's pretty cool. I think that's all we talked about. Yeah, it'd be great if we could get to play again. I'm bummed I missed the Played in Fantasy this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just wasn't, I had to rest for getting prepped mentally for today and do some other things. Um, but next time I'm hoping next time and one of these days we'll get you back into some games that we can play together. All right. Thanks again for your call, Jason. And next up, Joe Salvador. Hey Carl, it's Joe. Um, hey man, just calling in to, to say I was, you know, sorry to hear about you um, taking a spill in Atlanta. Uh, I know the wrist is probably going to hold you up a bit. Um, you know, we talked offline, so I know that, you know, hopefully they can get that all set up straight. Um, but really, like, what the heck happened to your nose, man? Like, that's terrible. <laughs> um, hey man, happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Um, and uh, very thankful for you and and, and uh, Jason and Joey. Um, putting up recaps of our sessions. Um, I think that's amazing stuff. I think you guys do a great job with it. Um, yeah, and the game's going pretty well, I think. Uh, I think we're at a point where, like, the game slowly gets weirder. Um, and you guys, are, yeah, I feel like you've been in the dark for a long time, but now you're, you know, you're learning some secrets and uh, you have some direction, I guess, behind you. Um, yeah, man, once again, man, thanks for everything. I hope you're feeling better, and we'll chat soon. Later. 
And there was one other thing I wanted to mention, <clears throat> um, kind of slipped my mind here until uh, I was done recording. Um, the uh, Sholomancers, that is an Easter egg that uh, I don't think anybody caught, actually. Uh, the Sholomancers are actually like a, I don't know if it's a Slavic myth or like a Romanian-specific sort of myth, um, but it's mentioned, they were mentioned in Dracula in the novel. Uh so the Solomonari um, are an established like, real-world thing. Anyway, uh, I love it, so I'm using it. <laughs> All right, bud. Later. Hey, Joe. Thanks for the call and the well wishes. Yeah, the nose was healing actually pretty well. It's only a little bit redness now. Um, the scars have fallen off. Like It was weird. It was like a strange scaling when I scraped my nose. And then, um, like I said, it's a very interesting combination of skin um, it didn't get scraped to the cartilage which is good I think I don't think it did it would have been worse right but it's healing well um, the wrist uh, well I go under the knife today and we'll, uh, hopefully things will be cool on the other end I'll let you guys know uh, soon enough um, both you guys my player the guys I play with and players and and also um, the uh, my listeners huh. so um, Right, so Reaver is really good. I really enjoy it. And I think, I know that Spencer of Keep Off the Borderlands doesn't listen to my podcast really, but if he were, he would know that I, like him, love, love learning about the world and exploration of the world. And I think that's what really attracts me to to Reaver um, a lot is, you know, the world building and exploration. And that's kind of, as a player, what I like to do. Um, I'm not so much into accumulating stuff, although that's nice, but I want to know about the world and how it ticks and how it works. Um, yeah, so, uh, that's kind of my, I guess, my motivation for playing. And I thank you, Joe, for providing that. And I'm glad that we're learning about the mysteries that we've kind of just been blindly pursuing, uh, maybe, and now we're, our eyes are being opened. And as far as Sholomance goes, so I... I got an Easter egg, but see, I, I didn't get the Easter egg that you were thinking of the Easter egg, because Sholomance is a an instance, a dungeon in World of Warcraft, and yes, it is a school of necromancers, and that, like, if you look on the World of Warcraft wiki, it is definitely, like, a reference to that, uh, that I guess, Eastern European, I can't remember if it is the right, if it's Romanian, it might be, um, school of necromancers and necromancy uh, that was like a secret society or like a, a group of, of actual uh, people who delved in necromancy. But in World of Warcraft, they are actually necromancers, and you go into the instance and, and uh, kick the shit out of them. So, um, so yeah, that was that was the kind of the Easter egg that, that I got. Um, it's pretty interesting. It's, so it's it definitely it's an instance or a dungeon from Classic WoW, and then they revamped it um, for... Somehow, for some reason, for Mists of Pandaria. Um, so, so like, if you do, like, sometimes they do these time-walking events where you go back and do old dungeons, and Sholomance is there with the, um, or Scholomance, however you pronounce it. I think it's Scholomance. I think it's Scholomance. Um, that's how you pronounce it. Um, you go back there and uh, beat things up, get some fat loot, you know, um, so it's pretty fun. That was the Easter egg that I got, which is funny that you had another Easter egg in mind. Anyway, thank you for the call, and I will talk to you soon.
Next up are going to be the recaps. Okay, recaps. I will start with Fallout, since I've done two sessions of it. We're running through the starter set, which is actually pretty good. It's a really nice starter set. Um, it has like a kind of a small like rule book, like a, um, I guess a truncated, I don't know if truncated is a word, like a cliff notes of the main rule book um, pertinent to the adventures and the player characters that you get. It has a, a host of different player characters. The players in my group have chosen the Vault Dweller, the Super Mutant, and Mr. Handy, Mr. Handy being a robot. Um, so they've chosen those characters. And then it has a pad of character sheets that I've let the players transfer so they can transfer from the pre-gen player sheets to um, to their own, make it their own, their own copies and stuff. And... Yeah, so we ran it with two people uh, the first time I ran it, and it's a very it's a very simple linear scenario. Uh, you meet a guy, you go into a vault, you find some information that could really help uh, the players in the campaign and the world, and then you kind of go from that vault um, to explore the ruins of, of the Commonwealth of Boston and go eventually to this place called Diamond City, which is Fenway Park. Um, so in the first, first meeting, we went through the vault. There's some, some violent encounters and some dipl diplomatic encounters and some, a lot of searching and it uses the Modifius 2D20 system. And I like it. It's a really, it's a good incarnation of the Modifius 2D20 system. It's still got enough skills to make it, uh, to give you some sort of, uh, um, the word uh, granularity but it is free form enough to have some like narrative narrativist ideas and it, and the rules definitely do not get in the way combat is quick and fun pulpy dynamic i think that's what what modifius 2d20 is going for there's not too many um too many tags on the weapons like like what infinity i think runs into um so it's some good tags on the weapons and uh and it, it's, it definitely seems pretty brutal and bloody if you get into trouble. Um, so, so the players are really, they've been a bit wary about getting into combat. Well, except the super mutant, because the super mutant's pretty tough. So, so they went into the, they did the stuff in the vault and then they started, uh, going across the city and they went to a cache where they fought some ghouls and got some cool loot. And I think that's another fascinating thing about the Fallout is like it has a much, it's, a, it's almost if you, they did this kind of, like, I feel like it's a callback to the video game and then you kind of find random loot, which I think is fun. And it's up to the GM to figure out why that loot is there, or maybe it doesn't matter. So they found some very interesting loot, including pieces of like power armor and you just roll randomly on a table. I think that's what's fun. It's not like it's listed there. Um, it says, okay, you roll roll your search skill and you get X number of successes. And with these successes, you can do, you can roll on this table or this table or that table. Um, so, you, and then the players can choose what table they want to roll depending on the number of successes they get. And if, and there's even some instances if they get no success on the search, 
they could still find stuff. Not the not the cool not on the cool table, but on another table they could still find stuff, which I think is interesting. Uh, so you give you know, so depending like you know then the characters make it. For example, they could roll three times on the beverages table or something, which is kind of fun, and they have sort of all sorts of evocative, um, you know, the stuff that you find from the video game. You know, new cola, cherry cola, um, booze, etc. So. And of course, you know, armor and weapons and ammo, which is very nice. So, um, so that was, we ended after, after that. And then in the second session, we were joined by the, uh, another player who picked up the Mr. Handy character and, uh, they kind of wanted to avoid an area where there is a bunch of super, and again, it was, it was kind of cool. I thought it was like a, both combat and a diplomatic, uh, type of encounters. And, uh, they went into the sewers, fought some, some, it's not really a spoiler if you played the video game. They fought some Meyer lurkers, including a Meyer lurker queen, um, which I thought was and it and they didn't have to go that. They, it's like two paths you can go on, which is nice. That, that kind of for me uh, suggests some like replayability, and um, and then they they kind of had an encounter with some super mutants, but they talked themselves out of it because they had a super mutant in the group, and eventually they came to you know Fenway Park, Diamond City, and. Uh, they're going to, they, they kind of went to one shop, but then it got kind of late. So we decided to stop there. They're going to do some shopping. They're going to do some you know, weapon modification. And there's, there's a lot of rules for that. So like, like I said, the skills are there and their weapon mods are there. There's enough granularity for people who like that kind of stuff to improve their weapons, much like in the video game. Um, but it's a, it, but the, you know, the rule set and the rolling and the combat is, is good. I, I really enjoyed Fallout, and I have fans in my group of Fallout, so I think this game um, will play through the starter set and then see where we go from there. I think um, the players might... Some of my play, the players that I have, they're like, oh, it's dirty, stinking pregens, uh, which is funny because I have other players in games that are like, oh, I wish I want you to make me a pregen because I don't want to make a character, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, they're... they're they don't bend together, though, I don't think. One one type of group versus the other that likes, like the other the other kind of bend categories we've been talking about in this podcast are um, whether characters like a like to be led in the story or like a you know hex crawl. So those two don't those two groups don't really bend together that I can think of off the top of my head. So anyway, um, so after after we do the starter set, they might want to make their own characters, or they might continue with these. Um, and uh, it probably will. Well, I think I know at least one guy likes his character, so he will probably continue. The other ones were like, oh, the, uh, these characters are subpar, and I can make them better, and out of rearrange the stats like this, and blah blah blah. So because um, you have those kind of players, which is fine. And um, and actually, so it was, it was good, and I think. Um, it's a challenging verse fallout and uh and the combat can go either way and I really like that the players were able to think on their feet uh to fight a pretty tough adversary and uh use the environment so that's, that's also in there too that you can you know really points out and helps you think outside the box and use your environment very much like uh like classic uh classic games. Um, classic D and D games, at least. Although it's not D and D, it's you know. But to think, look, think about, look about your environment and see if you can use something to help you in a dire situation. 
I really like that. So I've been enjoying Fallout, and this is somewhat long, but um, but that's okay because that's two sessions of Fallout. I'm gonna pause here. So, Hostel, we finished the adventure. I I don't know if I I don't know. I have to think about Hostel a little bit, and I think read more about the verse before we continue. So uh, we're running through like one of there is this um, bundle of holding. And there is a lot of hostile products. And I was just running through one of the scenarios in there. And it was more of a, it was less of a, a fighting scenario, more of a cerebral type of thing. Although I'd say the other one, like the thing that I ran on the station went really well. And I liked the way it ended. I liked the way it progressed. But uh, I think the, I feel like the scenario I ran, the published scenario was kind of slow. And, um, it was more of a mystery. And the players, the cool thing is I think the players solved the mystery. Um, and maybe, and I feel like they enjoyed it. They want to, we want to continue hostile at some point, but I feel as a GM, I need to be more prepared uh, about the verse and kind of be consistent. And I think I have, I know what I want to do the next time. Um, and I think the interesting, dis I think that also the players, they're not very good at combat and that kind of is, is a, in the back of the, the mind I, I, or they're communicating that's a little discouraging. There's a lot of whiffs and, and that's not fun. You know, they'd rather be more competent. So there is a plan that we might go to straight traveler, uh, make characters. I had proposed running um, a pre-planned scenario with pre-gens, but I guess they weren't inspired by the pre-gens. So if we run that, that scenario, excuse me, if we run that scenario, they might do it. If it works out, because I'm going to get together either as a session zero or individually with each character and then run a session zero um, and see what they make and then decide after what they make what kind of campaign uh, will run. It might work out that I could do uh, the what I was planning with the pre-gens, but, um, but it might not. And Traveler is so open that you can do anything. And I feel like Hostel might be a little constrained in that regard because of like, it seems like all the characters are geared towards, I mean, what they say, right? So it's, it's not like it's a surprise that the characters are going to be, you know, roughnecks and, and be good at mechanics and, and that kind of thing. Be good mechanics or engineers or, you know, you know, dirt huggers, right? So um, it's just a strange mix of players. We do have one player, but he hasn't been able to, to play, who is a doctor, and that might add an, another dynamic. And as an NPC, I've had an, you can play an android, but I've had them kind of said, eh, maybe it's better as an NPC. There's a lot of secrets that androids might have, and they're kind of creepy and scary, and it's more fun that way to play like a, you know, like an Ash-type character or a, um, was it a, maybe a bishop. Uh, but um, they've had a run-in with the with the first adventure I ran. They had a run-in with an android that was not pleasant, and this one it's been this other android that they run into in this adventure that I've added in. It's not in the scenario I added him in. Was just kind of creepy, um, but um, but they solved the scenario. But then they didn't want to stay to figure out some of or there was a hint of something more dangerous and deadly, and they're like, you know what, we'll just. Uh, Leave you call you leave you research people here. It's like a research station. 
I'll leave you researchers here to do what you do. They took some samples back, some evidence back, and they also, re interestingly, um, I had them recover a couple of the, couple of androids that were there um, on the station, um, much to the protests of some of the um, people, the researchers on the station. But I think the android on the ship that they landed on kind of insisted. So that was a kind of interesting hook that I can use in the future. And maybe that's what I'll do is really, really kind of focus on not maybe use like a pick things here and there from from some of the pre-published adventures or, or like encounters used as, an, as encounters, um, but not as, you know, and have an, a, develop an overall story. And I think that's what I need to do. Sit down and think and develop a concrete overall story and see how far it goes. But so they were on the fringe. Now in theory, they're heading back towards um, the frontier, um, back towards the big, the, the Nostradamus, the big uh, mining complex space station that, that has jump capability that jumps around um, the latest, greatest in the, um, it's not Weyland Yutani, but it's, uh, I think it's Leland Okuda. So, uh, yeah, so the game Hostile is uh, more or less Aliens Outlander with the uh, serial numbers uh, filed off. But that was Hostile. It was pretty good. Um, but I want it to be more exciting, I think. I think that's that's coming from me. Um, but we're going to, in the Monday group, I don't know if it's Monday sci-fi, but on the Monday group, we're going to take, take a crack at Traveler and see how that goes. Um, Monday is also possible to do Hyperborea. Uh, the player that's joined us for the regular Monday also made a character for Hyperborea, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'd like to fit that game in, but uh, that was hostile. So our ongoing Twilight 2000 campaign has gone really well. Uh, we had a really good adventure session. Uh, they kind of took care of things, uh, loose ends in... Krakow, the survivor group, I guess they're called the Free Krakow Coalition, and then a lot of the game was spent, um, but they did some of this on Discord, was spent discussing who they're going to take up uh, down the Vistula to Warsaw to help um, the captain of the Vistula Queen recover some refugees and I guess presumably bring them back to Krakow, though I don't know how the government of Krakow would like that, but you know they could settle in and around Krakow in uh, Novi Huta, um, around in the area. So there's, while Novi Huta was uh, destroyed uh, by aerial bombardment and nuclear weapons, um, there is some area around it. There's a, an abbey and some forest land around it that could be settled uh, by these refugees. So again, a lot of time was spent uh, figuring out what they're gonna take. They end up, they're taking like, a, I think vehicle-wise, a truck, the BMP that they've they kind of got from the Marauders, and um, the motorcycle, and the uh, the hospital, the the ambulance, the Gaz sixty six that they, it's been converted to an ambulance. So they're taking those, and then um, the main characters are going. And I think each there's a, like one NPC per main character, um, which and then there was some some debate about who which characters they would take. And it worked out really well because in the session, the characters that they took um, were very helpful um, when, when problems came up. So, uh, and I don't know, this is an interesting question for people because one player did comment that 
they're not a fan of the sort of lots of NPCs in the game, but I, I don't know. I, I like that kind of play. I love it. It's not troop play necessarily, but it's like trooper play and henchman play with hirelings. I kind of enjoy that. I really enjoyed that when I ran Broken Lands. I kind of enjoy that there is not just the players existing sort of in, you know, in space, but their interactions with NPCs on a regular day-to-day basis. And these NPCs are dependent um, on the player characters and, and interact with the player characters. So, so and, and even like one of the players is like said, okay, well, I'm going to try to, I mean, I'm trying to develop a relationship with one of these NPCs, um, which I think is pretty cool. So, so, uh, you know, I like that kind of stuff and I think it helps. Um, it gives, it also gives like the play, the group, the player group, um, more punch, um, when, it, if, if situations arise and then there are things, uh, for example, like, uh, my wife Amy's character has her regular driver hits, and uh, you know he drives the the gas. Or in this case, when we played, uh, when they went off to do some exploration, um, off you know off the river, that he was driving the truck. So um, so I thought I think that works pretty well. So we did do like a first the first segment of the Vistula when they finally got going. Um, I guess they're leaving behind quite a number of people. Um, I'm I'm still debating, and, and I propose this to them. So hey, you know, if you want to, because they have like a whole you know pl- platoon size almost of people, um, NPCs that exist. I said, hey, if you guys want to take some of those and do something else with them, I'm cool with that. You know, like a like for example, they know that the Pope is being held uh, sort of prisoner by a nearby political group uh, run by this uh, ambitious warlord, um, and they. They probably want to take care of that the next time, um, but uh, I guess they're not sure yet. And I guess they they felt like the Pope is not in imminent danger, and they also have they have with that they have in their possession what that group wants. So we also haven't finished um, wrapping up sort of the Operation Restart things, and that is I don't know if they're taking those stuff with them, or I'll have to ask one of the one of the players if they took that stuff with them. Or they just kind of left it and hidden in their compound, um, but I know they're definitely taking the Black Madonna with them. I'm sure they they figured that that they're going to take that with them just in case. Um, that is what the Margrave of Silesia wants in exchange for the Pope. But uh, the Black Madonna is traveling to Warsaw, which is very interesting, I think. And um, so the traveling down the Vistula, uh, they the cool thing too. There's like it, effectively this is a hex crawl. So, and, which is a beauty of these, these classic modules. Um, Krakow, the, the Black Madonna is for sure like an adventure, right? Like an adventure, you even have a mini dungeon crawl. Um, Krakow is like a cityscape. Uh, a lot of things are happening in the city. There is a sort of a adventure going with it, but it's more about the interaction with all the, the factions and NPCs in Krakow. And they've established themselves pretty well. They have like a... They have like a, a good in with the leader of Krakow. Uh, they don't trust the general who controls the Ormo. There's some intrigue there. I haven't decided how quite I'm gonna play that. Uh, so it's kind of like tense right now. But they the thing is they have some allies among the the sort of police force in Krakow and even the army that the general controls. And of course, Amy's character Kasha is always looking at that helicopter, um, that hip helicopter that is there. That probably hasn't flown in a long, long time, but who knows? 
anyway, so, uh, and then on the Vistula, the, there's two there's two tables. There's a, there, if you interact with people, you can roll your like various interaction skills and get rumors. Um, and there was a cool encounter, sort of you know random encounter where the, a couple of people were scavenging in the woods outside of Novi Huta, and they ran into some hunters and they exchanged some things. Uh, they found some ramen, which was which was hilarious, you know, um, some ramen, you know. But uh, and then. Um, and then there's like encounter tables, so things can happen like while you're, you know, while you're motoring, um, while the tug is motoring downriver, uh, pushing the barge. Uh, there's things that can happen, like hazards that can happen on the river, or encounters that can happen on the river, or if you land, um, there are encounters that can happen along the shore when you put into like a, like a little village or you see a village on the side. So there's they went to one village where they they were met with a little bit of not outright hostility, but trepidation. They didn't explore that. They went to another place where they heard a rumor that there could be caches of uh, a fuel, and uh, they explored around there. They ran into some um, Soviet deserter slash marauders. Um, they dealt with them pretty pretty handily, actually. Um, and I, I mean, I was, having, I was having a bad roll day. Fortunately, they were having a good roll day. Well, one of the players was having a bad roll day, but I mean, I, I shot a lot of ordnance at them. And I, I hit one character, but it didn't do enough damage to, to he, fortunately, most of the characters are geared up. They have body armor. It's a chest hit. So, um, And then Amy's character had a good good day with the shotgun. I think she took down two or three uh, foes. So, but they did find a cache. They, they're going to come back later. They marked it. They're going to come back later. They didn't want to linger around because it's like, if there's one marauder group, you know there's going to be others. Um, so then they know, they know they have to deal with some uh, of a marauder group. Um, there and they might even actually go all the way back to Krakow and then you know drive out there to take care of any marauders and and gather caches of uh, of fuel that are that they heard about the rumors and the rumors are kind of true. Um, then the last thing that they did is they ran into a bridge and this kind of bridge marks the first leg of the journey and the bridge is very rickety and they they pass through it really well. Um, they kind of do some things to to make sure that that you know we have spotters in the right position and. And all the different player characters got to do stuff, I think, which is kind of neat, not just fighting um, and the like, but the, a lot of players got to do different things. So uh, so they passed the bridge, and now I'm wondering, since it's very, it's it's like damage and going to fall down, there's a debate now whether they're going to shoot a shoot uh, from the BMP's mini cannon and try to, you know, collapse it, um, controlled collapse in a way, as opposed to just letting it kind of slide into the river. The control collapse might might be okay, and the river won't get blocked. I guess that's the dilemma that on the way back, the river might be blocked. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. It was a good session. I really enjoy um, Twilight 2000, and the fourth edition of this, is, I, I think it's really neat. I'm excited, actually, um, that apparently uh, the Blade Runner RPG uses the same type of system. So I'm excited about that. I kind of like that. All right. Um, makes it easy and also easy if I was to do like a dual game with Amy since she's familiar with the system um, and she wants to play like a like a, a police I guess one of the the characters like you play like a it's a more an investigative game it seems like with all the handouts and all that kind of stuff um, but anyway I'll talk about Blade Runner later but the Twilight 2000 really good I'm gonna pause here come back and talk about Cthulhu Confidential so the last game I will talk about is Cthulhu Confidential. is a one-on-one v one with Amy Lee, and 
we ran through uh, a cable's length from shore, which was like a free RPG day offering from a few years ago uh, with the character uh, Phyllis Oakley. Uh, this takes place in London. She's a book hound or she's a bookseller of rare books, occult, those about the occult. And I really enjoyed the, the system. It's a kind of a, it, it's based on the gumshoe system. So the main premise of gumshoe, trailer Cthulhu, is that if there's a clue to be found and you have the right investigative skill, you will find that clue. You don't have to roll for it. You find the clue and it's what you do with the clues that makes it interesting. You have a meta currency called a push and you can, um, in, in Cthulhu Confidential 1v1, I need to re review the trailer Cthulhu rules to give you the exact, they're called the same, but they're, they do different things. So in, in a Cthulhu Confidential, you have like a meta currency called push, and the, the pushes can give you more information based on your investigative skills. So if you want to, you can, you know, push, and, and the pushes can give you um, benefits uh, throughout the scenario. So then there's general skills, which is where you roll dice, and you have, you have a number of dice, uh, one to four, where you roll, and then you see if you succeed or not. If you succeed, there could be like a succeed, like it's called the, there's different tiers of success. Um, there's an advance where you, you get a really high, nice roll, and that can give you a benefit or an edge, uh, even an, uh, I'll get to that. It'll give you a benefit. Then there's like a hold, which is like kind of a neutral result, but it's a success still. Then there's a setback and that can give you um, a problem. Usually it's a failure and it gives you a problem. So those, that gives, leads me to the other interesting part about Cthulhu Confidential. You have these things called edges and problems and edges are benefits that can help you um, throughout the scenario when you kind of you kind of play them um, at certain times you know when the player decides they want to play this edge they can benefit them in a particular challenge or you get a problem and problems can be anything from um, from you know, being in debt to you know if you have this card at the end of the scenario um, you're gonna die type of thing so it's they're pretty they're they have a wide wide range and a lot of them also have like a like a tag since it is Cthulhu um, if you see something weird or and don't succeed in the challenge that it overcomes you mentally um, then you know you get this mythos shot card and or you can get a mythos shot card for in being involved in weird things because I think even Amy succeeded in a task but because she went a certain way her character got a mythos mythos shock so um so i think we, it went really well um you can uh recover you only have a certain number of pushes per scenario but you can gain more pushes if you for example roll an advance off you know from one dice um if, if you can roll multiple dice so so amy was able to roll she started off badly like rolling badly and getting a lot of problems but uh, towards the end she started you know hitting her stride with her on her dice roller and was rolling, you know, fours through sixes, which generally uh, with some of the edges she had accumulated or things she had done would give her like an advance. So, so I think it, it went really well. We really enjoyed it. I'm trying to think of if anything else. I'm not going to try to spoil the scenario um, other than it takes place in London and it's an investigation on the death of uh, someone like a, um, they call them a barrow, a barrow man. Uh, who's like a, someone who scrounges and scrapes and kind of would bring books to uh, to Phyllis Oakley. So 
So I think we want to play this again. I found another scenario for Phyllis Oakley, and then I'll have to think about how to make my own scenarios after that. But Amy, because uh, in the Cthulhu Confidential book, there's three other characters, and I guess the Phyllis Oakley character was kind of the free RPG day, and then there's another uh, scenario that you could get on the Pelgrane Press website um, that you can run for Phyllis Oakley. But Amy liked the character, and, and there's a way to advance, and I think it's, uh, it's pretty neat. A neat system. It's fun to play one on one. Uh, I think we had a really good time, and I do recommend. You know, if you want to, if you can't get a big group together and you have a good relationship with someone that you play one v one with, um, I definitely recommend Cthulhu Confidential. So um, anyway, that is it, and I think I will make this the outro too. Might as well just wrap things up. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Jason and Joe, for your calls. Thank you to my players who kind of make these games as fun and interesting and ongoing as they are. And um, yeah, if you want to comment on anything that I've said or comment on the games that I've given you, like recap as spoiler-free as possible, um, then uh, shoot me a line. You can leave me a message on the Anchor website. You can leave me a message through my SpeakPipe account, which is linked in the show notes. You can also record a message or type out a message, send me an email message and send that to geomologist at gmail.com or drop me a message on the various Audio Dungeon Discord, send me a direct message uh, through that platform. So uh, thank you, TJ Drennan, for the intro and outro music. Thank you, Amy Lee, for the clip cover art. And uh, thank you all for listening again. And I'll talk to you soon.